0: Under the oar. 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 Under the 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 oar. Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode 152 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. Let's just jump right into it, because we are very happy to be joined by one of the reporters of a massive piece that just came out in BuzzFeed looking at WorldCoin. I mean... We'll get into it, but if you, if, dear listener, if you don't know what WorldCoin and the orb is, well, you're about to find out. And you got, hold on to your seats. Um, cause it's, it's, it's absolutely wild that this is real, that this actually exists. Um, and of course, it's, you know, just just failing in the most spectacular way. Thank you very much. Uh, we are joined by Richard Nieva, who is a BuzzFeed news reporter, and along with his colleague at BuzzFeed, Amon Sethi, who unfortunately couldn't be with us today, um, but they just recently published a really long investigative article on BuzzFeed called this startup promised people free crypto if they scan their eyeballs. Now people feel they've been scammed. Thank you very much, Richard, for coming on. Thanks for doing this this reporting.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of people, you know, people like us who kind of keep an eye and ear to the ground and follow all the absurdities of the tech sector remember, you know, a, a couple years ago, a little while back when this... This, this idea of WorldCoin was being announced. And I think a lot of it, a lot of the attention was around this idea of this really, I mean, we'll get into it, but it's just like this hyper dystopian orb. Um, that's like a, you know, it, it's, it's shiny metallic reflective orb looks like something straight out of Blade Runner. And the idea is that, you know, that this company WorldCoin is bringing this orb all around the world to scan people's eyeballs, you know, do biometric scans, and then in return giving them uh, you know, a, a, a voucher for free crypt, a, a free new crypto coin that hasn't officially launched yet um, called WorldCoin. I remember hearing about this a couple years ago, hearing that Sam Altman, who, you know, famous for Y Combinator, um, OpenAI, uh, like Sam Altman was somehow involved in it. And I remember like laughing about it for a day and then promptly forgetting about it um, until your piece dropped uh, last week that not only reminded me it existed, but that it's been operating um, in a a really spectacular way since, since its launch. Can you kind of walk us through, like, I'm interested, what, what, what made you want to spend so much time in uh, reporting out WorldCoin? Um, and can you walk us through some of the reporting that you've done and just what is this company?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think you, you, you explained it pretty well. And it's, it's, a, it's a gnarly idea that um, basically this company uh, says that they want to give free crypto to every single person on Earth. Um and what what they say is uh the way to do that and the way to make sure that like nobody gets more than their their free allotment is they've got to uh scan your eyes uh to, you know to make sure that you're a real person and that you haven't um you know you you haven't gotten your free cut yet and they they said that this is kind of the only way that they they figured out how to do this but yeah you know I remember reading about this this company um and it was uh it was pretty insane and it was um our editor actually who who was like you know we should really kind of dive dive deep into this and um what was particularly interesting uh was, was just the companies that they were operating in you know uh, like lots of companies or or the countries that they're operating in lots of um uh, poorer countries in uh, in Africa and Asia where there hadn't really been a lot of press scrutiny uh, and so we were wondering you know what would actually happen if we did take a closer look
0: yeah so right let's let's walk through just what's going on here so you're 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 exactly right here um, that you know the the idea of world coin is right they they want to Like they want to create this market for crypto and kind of get a lot of buy-in into Web3, into the crypto economy by essentially giving everybody a stake in it, right? And this is something we've talked about before with like Molly White and other people is this idea that like the crypto, you know, crypto boosters are really fanatical about like you can't understand crypto unless you actually have a stake in it, unless you, you hold some crypto and you have a skin in the game. But also it's the fact that like they need uh a, they they need the whole world to get involved in this because they constantly need more and more people to give it legitimacy um to be engaging with these coins and so it sounds like world coin has gone with a like very uh lex luther style plan of getting that in the case where rather than trying to create this like sense of like FOMO, right? Your fear of missing out, you know, you're, you're, you're missing out on your riches. Good luck being poor kind of mentality. They're like, no, we will come to you. We will create the supply and, and demand by, uh, just giving out free crypto. Um, but of course it comes with the strings attached that, as you said, like in order to get this, yeah, to, to make sure that most, that people are not double or triple dipping and the, and getting these, these, IOUs for a world coin, the only way they know how to, to solve that problem of unique identification is uh, to create a massive biometric database of people's eyeballs, uh, facial scans, even what they have like. Um, this, this orb hardware is really interesting. There's just so many strings here that I'm like, I don't know which one to pull on. Um, but the, you know, it's not only that they're scanning eyeballs, right? Some of the, like, the orbs are also meant to be doing things like scanning, um, for temperature, right? Like a thermal, um, camera to ensure that it's like a real person and not a picture of a person, um, and all kinds of other really weird things. It sounds like, they, they like they have a problem. We need more people to have to hold crypto, and we also need to make sure we don't give out more crypto um, than we want to. And so their solution to both of those problems is just to like crank it to 11 and do the most absurd thing possible.
1: We kind of go into that in the story, which is like' it's, we've got the one piece, which is the crypto, and then we've got the orb. Uh, and one of the things that we kind of found out through our, our reporting was that like, this this idea of authentication is a big part of you know the, the company's future. They want to be this kind of like uh, verification tool for like the, the Web three era. We we saw um, um, a confidential company presentation, uh, and I think the quote on it was like ensuring a person is alive and unique is uh, is an unsolved problem or, or something to that effect. Um which is like you can't you know, you can't make that up.
2: Yeah. It was really interesting also when you tied in uh the history of colonial um administration, especially in the British uh, Empire, uh when connecting to this because they're operating in a lot of countries that were former colonial subjects and connected to that or as a consequence of other things that have happened since are resistant to this sort of surveillance or administration or even introduction of cryptocurrency tech. So I think, you know, one thing which would probably be good for us to go through is like, okay, so WorldCoin has this tech that it wants to roll out. The idea is that if you give everyone crypto, you can give everyone an income what how do you where where do you go for from um where do you go from there like where did they try to go from there, or what did you see in the reporting, especially with this orb as you talked about, which eventually seemed to become the core of their 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 future as a verification technology
1: yeah, I mean I think the the biggest thing was like okay, you say you you wanna go and give everybody in the world crypto um and then you have like the the actual task of going about doing it. And so the way they decided to do it was to to hire these or their contractors, but these folks called orb operators um, who are basically going out and actually doing the scanning, finding the folks to, you know, to, to have sign up for the, for the system. Um, And that's kind of where our, uh, our reporting began, you know, we reached out to a bunch of folks and what was actually really striking was that like, we reached out to folks and we didn't. You know, we we weren't like, "Hey, why do you hate Worldcoin?" You know, like, like we we reached out to people and we were like, "Hey, we you know we we heard you worked with Worldcoin, tell us about your experience." Um, and I guess the prevailing kind of thing that that popped out was uh, was anger. You know, almost immediately when when we brought up Worldcoin, uh, the complaints started to to just come out, and so people were really upset.
0: Yeah a number of people thought you were with Worldcoin right and just immediately started being like you thieves you scammers you've stolen my money and my eyeballs like where is my money like like really just immediately started a, like a, a berating you right
1: Yeah yeah um, and so when we when we reached out to um to orb operators and and, and former operators you know they were they were very well you know they were willing to tell their story And I think the, you know, the, the big thing that, um, and we actually, you know, we, we presented that, that kind of, um, uh, that, that finding to, to Alex Blania, the, the CEO, you know, we were like, okay, these people have told us they're really angry. Um, why do you think people are so angry at your company? Um, and we didn't really, we didn't really get a good answer. Mm -hmm. What what
2: did you notice in the reporting what, what was some of the reasoning behind it falling apart I mean this is a well capitalized operation they have backing from a- Anderson Horowitz they have backing from uh, another v- a large VC fund um they have pretty well established figures in crypto and investment communities and startup communities backing them or connected to them you know what at what level did the breakdown of the rot you know emerge you were going through this
1: i think it broke down on a on kind of a really granular level um because a lot of the folks were just facing problems on the ground um you know we we talked you know we um we had heard about people being arrested or detained uh which which Worldcoin um acknowledged and then we just you know so i think there was this kind of lack of support that people were were um were complaining about and then on a more basic level, there were just lots of glitches with the orb itself. You know, we had heard about people um, having orbs that didn't didn't work. Um, some orbs were light sensitive, and so they would just break down very easily, or wouldn't recharge. Um, and other people were saying that they could like they could game the system and scan people more than once, which is like if this is a device that you know, exists so you don't scan people more than once and it's scanning people more than once, then um that's that's a problem. That goes against the core of it, right?
0: Which really kind of I think gets to the heart of what what the like what the real thing they're doing here is is as you've mentioned, you know, as you mentioned just a minute ago, that what they're trying to what they what the company itself is trying to do is train a machine learning system to uh, be able to do this kind of unique identification to create this like, you know, proof of personhood, as it's called for the blockchain. And it sounds like the what they need in order to do that is just a lot of biometric scans of people's irises. And of course there's just got to be a crypto angle here why because that's how you get money right like Andreessen Horowitz as uh, Ed just mentioned you know they they recently led a a 100 million dollar investment round into um into Worldcoin the company and you know that that brought their valuation up from a billion dollars to 3 billion dollars right and and, but why? I mean, why is that the case? Is it because they have a weird hardware that, you know, looks like some kind of prototype out of a, out of a, a B grade sci-fi movie that, as you said, like, kind of works around the same amount as well? Like, it just is really glitchy. Um, it, I, I mean, I think the answer is that it's like, there's something to, like, there's a crypto element here, but in reality, it sounds like what the company is really focused on is scanning eyeballs, getting biometric, building a huge biometric database f- so it can then train uh, a, a machine learning system, which can then itself become the actual, like, technology or product of, of the company. Is that, is that
1: right? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um... Yeah, and I think So one of the things that, that did make it into the story, just because it was so, so long, but when we talked to the CEO, he had mentioned, you know, different products coming up and, and like different iterations of, of the orb and where they thought it could go. Um, and so, you know, they, they talked about like the orb um, in different form factors, right? So like something that is not even an orb anymore, like something that would be more stationary, that would like sit at a desk. And one of my favorite uh, details about the orb was that it was designed by a former Apple, uh, designer, like a protégé of, of, of of Johnny (laughs) Ives. And we talked about, (laughs) there's, um, on the hardware itself, there's like, there's a band on, on it. Um, and it's at a slight angle. Um, and the angle is, is at, uh, the exact degree of like the tilt of the earth, you know, it's just kind of very like Silicon Valley, um, you know, hardware thing.
0: It's very masturbatory. They are jacking themselves. <laughs> across, uh, with, when they thought about that. If anyone that.
1: would ever fucking
2: notice the band, you know, you're standing in line for world coin. You're, and you're like, oh, what's that? And then, well, well, actually, it's uh, the degree. It's the tilt. It's the degree of the tilt uh, from the sun that the Earth has. It's it's very beautiful if you really think about it. Because we're all getting world coin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't you didn't go into a lot of details about the orb itself i mean with good reason because you actually report out a lot of things that i didn't know and didn't expect and we'll get into it around like the labor issues which your piece really focuses on in a, in a really interesting way but it's impossible not to talk about the orb because it just seems like such an insanely like silly thing it's so pure like um it, it, it combines the like the form over function of Apple and Silicon Valley, but also like the the pure kind of like hubris, right? It's like, you know, the idea here is that this is WorldCoin. And so we need the hardware to look like the world, the a globe, but but it's a big shiny metal version of the globe. It's the cyborg globe. Like it's a it's so it's so hubristic uh, and, it, and it's like foolishness and the fact that it just doesn't work. Right. And it's, it's produced by a company based in Germany. Right. And so um, one of, I think one of the things that you've mentioned and you did a fair amount of reporting in Africa and Kenya in particular is that like, there's all these issues with the, with the, the orb itself actually glitching out. And, and part of that has to do with the fact that like it's not being used in these, uh, uh, you know, lab-like German, you know, conditions, right? It's being used, like, outside in places with really hot sun and sand, or it's being used in... Places like Norway, where it's like really, really cold or, you know, it's being moved and jostled and traveled around a lot. You know, and as you've mentioned, you know, these orb operators are not employees, as the company is really adamant to say. You know, they are they are contractors. They're they're freelancers. And so there's also a question of like how much training do these people really get? Um, and it just seems like it's a recipe for failure at like in in really obvious ways
1: right I mean the they they, they described it as being very entrepreneurial this like this career of being of being an orb operator um, and so you basically pitch your own business you know and they um, they recommend that you have people working under you so that you can cover more ground and I think my, my favorite my favorite piece of um, that I while we were reporting this out, was going on to the, um, the LinkedIn page of uh, the head of growth for Africa. Um, and he, on the about section of, of his profile is um, a quote from from uh, George Patton.
0: A good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. An insane thing to say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> As a business person.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. And so, I mean, that kind of, like, seemed to sum it up right there. Um, Uh Oh, this this kind of Silicon Valley hubris of just, you know, going out uh, into a place and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't work, uh, then sorry. Sorry we messed things up. Uh, We'll try to fix it.
2: You know, as you talk about this ethos is so clearly at the core of all of the plans, it's better to just get it out now and to build the infrastructure and to throw people into the field, than to like, maybe take any time to plan something out. (laughs) Um, uh, Or when there are plans, the confidential decks that you get hold of the retreats that you talked about. The plans are surprising in how much they push onto these entrepreneurs, right? Telling people, telling them to tell people that it's free money, telling them to tell people that you know it's just something that you know they're they're going to benefit from, but be careful not to say it's an investment, or leaving people out to dry when the distributors are getting detained or arrested. I mean, did you come across? Uh, world like world coin operators who things worked out well for them. Um, or was it largely like each you know each contractor, each operator had something go wrong just because of how glitchy and patchwork the plans seemed to be?
1: I think everybody really had something go wrong. Um, there, you know, there, there there were folks that weren't that that weren't as upset as others, but you know, certainly there were complaints from everybody. And I think one of the insights we really got was we got a lot of uh, screenshots of conversations between the orb operators um, just on WhatsApp. And so, you know, you could really hear... You know, just, you know, when you're complaining about, like, work with your friends, you know, just kind of all that venting. You really got their, like, pri- private thoughts on what was going on. You know, I, to, to your point, you mentioned the um, kind of this, this being a labor story. At its heart, it really is a labor story. You know, you've got, like, workers who uh, feel exploited. You've got wage issues. Um, you've got um, technology issues. Um, and you know, you've even at one point they had they had uh, gone on what they call uh, a strike. So that idea that you know it's it, this is people on the ground and and they're the ones that are that are being harmed is kind of at the key at the at the heart of all this.
0: I I do want to get into the issues around colonialism as well. And you, I think you, you very rightfully so kind of trace some of the, the, the way in which the orb and world coin plugs into colonial histories and technologies. I'll put a pin in that for now. We will definitely get back to it, but I'd, let's follow along this, this labor issue aspect a little bit further. Cause that to me was something that really shone out in your piece was that focus on labor. And I'll also say as well, you know, it's, it's really, really wild. And I mean, we will talk about this piece too, that on the same day that your massive investigative piece in BuzzFeed dropped on uh, another really massive investigative piece on WorldCoin dropped in the uh, MIT Technology Review by Eileen Guo and uh, Adi Rinaldi, um, which is also really, really well reported. They focused on different areas. You know, they did a lot more kind of work in Indonesia where I think you were focusing on like Kenya um, in terms of talking to people, you know. uh, But I think one of the things, both of these pieces are are, are ultra complementary with each other in a really nice way because where they focus on, and we'll get into this, some of the kind of really bigger uh, issue uh, or, or bigger picture issues with Worldcoin and the orb itself issues around privacy around the financials around the kind of broader implications of this project and its failure um, uh, and its plans right it's it's plans of you know they've already um, claimed to have scanned you know uh about half a million faces um, with plans by the end of, by, by 2023, so by the end of this year, to scan a billion, right? So they are trying to blitz scale this. But one of the things that I really loved about uh, your and Amon's piece in BuzzFeed um, was this how much time you spent focusing on the labor issue of the orb operators? It's obviously really important to talk about these bigger picture issues. It's really important to talk about the experiences of um, people being uh, scanned and scammed uh, by uh world coin by the operators you know all of the different schemes and grips in place to to tr- essentially trick people into coming thinking they're going to get actual money um in return for their their scans you know in places where people really need money right where people need some kind of assistance uh you know these kind of uh i ideas of 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 framing this in terms of like a social assistance or a social giveaway um project you know really just tricking people but also um it's not uh, of course it can't just be one party that's been harmed by this it's like every party involved is harmed um you know you talk about the the orb operators Can you talk about their, the payment system that was supposed to be in place for the orb operators? Talk a little bit more about the system of how they got the orbs. You know, there, there is a point in the, in your piece where you described it and you mentioned it just a minute ago, but I'll, I'll just quote here for, uh, from, from the BuzzFeed piece where you write, WorldCoin describes the gig as an entrepreneurial endeavor. To become an operator, applicants must record a video introduction and write up a convincing pitch for how they would run their sign-up businesses. If selected, they start with one orb and can earn more orbs if they hit their targets, typically around 500 sign-ups a week. They are encouraged to hire sub-operators to work under them so they can cover more ground. When I read that uh, that that paragraph in your piece, I literally exclaimed out loud. It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> like it is. Set- <laughs> My girlfriend was like, "Huh?" <laughs> I was like, "But uh, like, it is absolutely organized in the same way that a multi-level marketing scheme is. Of this idea of like, you know, it, like Mary Kay or Tupperware or Amway, right? Of this thing of like, you know, you get product and then you sign up other people and and you, you know, you, you recruit people to also be sellers that make it product. And, you know, and the next thing you know, you've got a garage full of orbs and you don't know what to do with them. But like, you know, it, it, it's really wild how it is set up in that way. But also these operators are not getting paid in money. Right. Can you kind of walk us through a bit more about the 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 kind of payment schedule, the the labor organization, the relationship between the operators and the company?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, first, um, you know, shout out to the MIT Tech Review. Their story was amazing. Um, also, Bloomberg did a really great story a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but for our story, I think the, the framing of it was really in, intentional. You know, I think we, we set out to really, we really wanted to tell uh, the human story of all this. Um, and so, like, I think wherever we could, we really tried to, like, put though the orb operators like front and center so i think one of the um most interesting points about the the orb operators is that you know they're they're collecting scans from um a lot of these kind of like impoverished communities but they are all like the orb operators themselves are also from these these communities um and so i think a lot of what, what had happened was like uh Toward the end, where people felt like they were getting scammed, like the the, the people who uh, um, whose irises were scanned were feeling like they were getting scammed, um, a lot of these orb, orb operators felt this like really deep. Um, you know, sympathy and connection because they were they were basically they felt like they were like hurting their own people. And meanwhile, um, they're also just kind of getting the raw end of the deal by not getting uh, getting paid on time. But yeah, the payment system was they are they're getting paid in Tether, um, which is a a stable coin uh, pegged to the U.S. dollar. Um, And normally they're so it depends on 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 the market. But um, initially, um, they were getting paid $3 per, per signup. Um, and then they had a weekly bonus where I think it was after, um, for every signup past 500 signups that week, you would get double the fee. Um, eventually, they changed that to this kind of more convoluted system where the user had to claim a smaller tranche of Worldcoin every every week for like 10 weeks um, and if they claimed it more than three times then um, then the operator got paid um, you know I think they got paid like five like a little bit more than five something um, and if not then they got paid like 60 cents for that sign up and that was that was something that, that got that got a lot of people angry. That was kind of the thing that that um, prompted the strike that they mm-hmm. uh, that they held in, in April. What were the
2: reactions internal like did the company care about the labor conditions? Did it have any cognizance of the harm that it was doing? Like, why change the payment model? Why leave people out to hang? Why not like in, why not communicate with them, especially on the eve of a strike? Like, was there just that? Like, what was going on there? What was going on in their minds, essentially? If you know.
1: Yeah, we asked the company about it, um, and their response was that you know we're in field testing. This is all you know. This is all a test, um, it's an and so we're yeah, and so we're we're testing different types of payment structures, and incentive structures. And so, and they 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 basically said that we're still in testing. So we may experiment even more, and this will all change, um, probably even more significantly. So it just seemed kind of like it was very businesslike. They were like, this is how we uh, were trying it out and it might change again.
2: It's, it's like kind of confusing that they were doing that because as you pointed out, like by the time they, as they started experimenting, they already had like half a million images. How many more images do they need of people's eyes and their irises? Did they explain or, you know, kind of comment on why despite having half a million iris scans, they weren't, it didn't seem like they were that much closer to having a working product or crypto coin.
1: No, they didn't really. They didn't really get into like the launch difficulties. I mean, they they said that they want to you know before they actually launched the coin and they wanted to get more orbs in circulation and they wanted to you know open source uh, some of the material, but um, they you know, they, they said that they're kind of going to be doing that in, in a few weeks and, and you know, didn't really get into it.
0: They they claim that they they will at some point delete the scans that they've done, right? That a they, lot of promises. They, a lot of promises. Yeah, a lot of promises company. that they care about privacy, that they, you know, that they're going to delete the scans, you know, the half million scans they've already done, you know, at some at some indeterminate point in the future when the system is up and running, right? They're, that they're there'll creating, be a
2: non-profit one day. You know.
0: Yeah, there'll be a non-profit, right? They're creating what they're calling iris hatches, right? This idea that, you know, or, or iris hashes, sorry. Um, where, you know, they're, they're, you know, trying to be, no, no, you know, it's all, it's, yes, it's a unique identifier, but it's also totally anonymous, but also we're going to delete the scans, but also we're going to be a non-profit, but also, you know, and I'm going to quote now from a, a comment that, Alex Blania, the CEO, said to the MIT tech review people, um, uh, Eileen Guo and, uh, Adi Ridaldi, they, they were, you know, talking about these frictions going, coming in to play in terms of, you know, the, the, all these problems we've been talking about, about the glitches, about the delays and, you know, operators getting paid, the delays and the people being scanned getting paid, um, you know, all these different problems. And, and Alex Blania, you know, Dismissed it in the way that you just mentioned around, you know, being like, you know, well, this, you know, this is a startup, right? It's experimental. It's test phasing. As, I, as, um, Blania said to MIT Tech Review, quote, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you, you looked at the testing operations of a series A company. It's a few people trying to make something work. It's not like an Uber with like hundreds of people that did this many, many times. I, I love the, the absolute indignation in his voice. Is dripping there. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is a Series A company. It's like, man, you are doing, you are scanning half a million people already. You are operating in like 14 countries around the world, many of which are. Classified as developing countries, you know, people that are really poor and and vulnerable. Like, like at some point, you can't just use the "I'm a startup" excuse to to explain away um, all of these different like you know failures and infractions that they're doing. But it really seems like. The company itself is trying to have their cake and eat it too, right? Be like, yes, we're three, yes, we're valued at $3 billion. Yes, we're operating, you know, we're, we're fucking, you know, Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide over here. Um, but at the same time, we're just a little plucky startup. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> what it
2: what it seems like it seems like they're using it as like a testing bed for like the eye tracking like uh advertising you know if you remember in the movie minority report how they used eye tracking for like you know focused advertising to whoever the person was it's like we've talked before about like luxury surveillance versus like foisted surveillance you know it's like a testing bed to like get that shit right so when they roll it out for everybody they've got all the kinks worked out but they're not being upfront with people they're using like the uh we'll give you a free coin. If you let us scan your eyeballs, like, you know, give you a dollar for your phone number type bullshit. And then you have
0: telemarketers calling in all day, every hour.
1: And they, they use that kind of, um, uh, that, that reasoning with us us as well. Um, and I think they even made the same Uber comparison, um, to Bloomberg. They're, they're leaning into the fact that, that, um, they're, they're in field testing But the thing like they and they say that field testing will will end sometime in 2022, um, but they haven't committed to a date. And so I think that's the big thing. It's like, if this is testing, you know, when when does that end? Um, And then when do you actually have to start, you know, fulfilling the the promises that, that you've been making?
2: Do they have a roadmap for, Okay, once we're done with testing, this is how we'll start properly compensating people. This is how we'll start expanding and scaling up our operation this is how we'll deal with regulations this is how we'll roll out the coin
1: I mean I think it's different in every in every um, in every country um, you know especially dealing with a, lo- a lot of the different biometric laws there which they um, it, and that was kind of a big piece of our, our r- reporting um, was that there are there are laws in in, in Kenya and in Zimbabwe but they they insisted that they've done like these big legal deep deep dives before entering these these countries. and so, yeah, I think it's still kind of up in the air with like how exactly they will um, they will launch the coin when when if and when that time comes. One of the interesting things about uh, what we found in one of the contracts that they uh, that that they use with with orb operators was that they actually they actually say that the thing may never launch you know, they, 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 say that they make no promise that like they will launch the, the WorldCoin network for, um, or the WorldCoin token. Of course.
0: <laughs> really just puts like a, a fine edge on the fact that like, you know, as you know, obviously, you know, the TMK line is that most Web3 things, if not all of them are complete scams and rug pulls. And it really does seem like, oh, that's exactly what they're doing. You know, they are, Dangling these iOUs, you know, saying you'll get twenty dollars or twenty five dollars worth of world coin if you get scanned. but right now that that means nothing. You know that's a piece of paper that says iOU, uh, you know twenty five dollars of a cryptocurrency that does not exist and may never exist and 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 too bad you got you got tricked. tricked. You have a number of really juicy quotes from both, uh, Alex Blania, the CEO, and Anastasia Golovina, uh, who's, a, um, a spokesperson for WorldCoin. And, and as you mentioned, you know, um, Golovina, the spokesperson, said that, you know, the, uh, quote, before entering any new country, WorldCoin always conducts a legal probe to ensure that operating there would be legal. But that has not borne out in practice. They have run up against a number of, of legal issues in countries where I think they assume, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to project on them that I think they assume that because these countries are, um, you know, poor countries in, in Africa and Asia, that they don't have laws around like data protection. And for the most part, that's, that is true, but that's not true in all instances. And I'm going to quote um, a paragraph from your piece back at you, because I think it really does a great job of succinctly um, uh, pointing out some of the issues around colonialism, but also some of these legal issues. So you and Amon write, WorldCoin's Trotting's crypto giveaway has taken it through rich European countries like Germany and Norway, but the focus of the startup's data collection has been in low-income countries in Asia and Africa biometrics play an important role in colonial history. British administrators began experimenting with them in the 1850s as a way to control and intimidate their subjects in colonial India. WorldCoin's activities in India, as well as other former British colonies such as Zimbabwe, where banks are banned from processing crypto transactions, and Kenya, where a new law forbids the transfer of biometrics data beyond the country's border. These invoke... Silicon Valley's history of ignoring sensitive cultural issues and skirting regulations. So here we have right here, you know, they claim to be doing these like these legal deep dives, these legal probes um, in countries, which is also one reason why they don't operate in the U.S. You cannot do WorldCoin in the U.S. because it runs up against biometric laws and data protection laws. But, you know, they seem to be trying to take advantage of low-income countries in terms of recruiting people to get scanned, recruiting people as operators, and being able to uh, operate in this way that is unfettered by regulatory restrictions. But at the same time, they are simply replaying and reproducing a, a, a deep history of colonialism. Um, you know, in reading that, I immediately thought of a book by um, Chandak Sangupta called imprint of the Raj, which is all about a history of how fingerprinting was invented in in India by British, by the British colonial administrators as a way to, uh, you know, uh, control, do social control and tracking and monitoring of uh, Indian subjects. And so fast forward, a um, hundred, uh, you know, a hundred and thirty years later or so, and we see constantly these same kinds of things happening again and again of a Western com- a company. Um, if not a Western country you know coming in to to these you know former colonies and saying hey let, let me try out my new biometric um, tool of, of, of identification and tracking and administration on this same public but I mean I think they are also, uh, very, very unaware of that, you know. It, it does call to mind who it was, Mark Andreessen, right? Who said that uh India should be thankful for for um, colonialism, right? When when they were trying to kick out uh, Facebook's free basics issue, and and you know, surprise, surprise, Mark Andreessen is like the the you know the the bridge connecting all of these. But so I do wonder, you know, it, at, at, in many ways, it sounds like you know, Worldcoin CEO Alex who's you know he's a young guy he's like 28 or something right just coming straight out of a a master's uh program in physics and um you know stanford or or some california you know one of these california kind of feeder universities um and seems to be just thrown into the spotlight um, of a company and of a series of issues and cultures and histories and so on that just seems completely unaware of and completely ill-equipped to handle, while also being surrounded by, funded by, advised by people who think these things are actually good and should be um, should be the case and should be ramped up.
1: Well, first, I want to give credit to, to Amon. He was really the one to kind of hit on the colonial uh, the, the the colonial aspect of it. Worldcoin's response to it is, you know, yeah, we we're in poor countries, but we're also in rich countries. <laughs> and so you know we want we want to give crypto to everybody. Um, and so that means going into poor countries as well. So, so that's kind of how, how they, they brush it off you know is that they uh, they're really trying to do this do this for everybody. But you know it, it, it's, it still doesn't really get into the fact that you're going into these places where you, you know you don't really have a very good handle of like of, of local customs. Or, it, or how everything really works on the ground and you're just kind of go for it. You're, you're, you're going for it. And, um, our, The very last line of the story I think hits it. Um, we, you know, we, we quote a text message from, um, one of the operators and they're like, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of putting, we're putting ourselves on the line. We're talking to the government government officials trying to convince them that this is a legitimate project. Um, you know, for us, uh, what what we can lose is is like a lifetime for the world coin executives. They've got nothing to lose. And I think that really hits it.
2: I, f- I feel like it's just like, it's just one thing, reading the whole piece, it's just so wild how the statements and the responses they would give to the workers, to you um, and Amon just felt like so woefully inadequate and kind of like pathetic. Like, to keep saying that they do a deep legal legal guy, uh, dive when it's like m- multiple countries that they were operating in never talked to the government authorities in charge and, and had to close up shop, it seemed like, because they were violating the law. I mean, like when this is presented to them, you know, did they react or do you, do you feel like it just was more of the more of what these uh, operators were saying or it's like they just kind of disconnected because they don't really have anything to lose.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, and we put this in the story, you know, we, um, they, they push back on a lot of our, our, our that, that, you know, that this is more of like a, like a, like a data uh, gathering play. Right. But they're not um, a data broker. They're just a tech company. Right. So they, 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 they push back a lot, a lot, you know, but, and they, they did, they, they, I think when we were talking about, Zimbabwe, you know the, the uh, actual situation in Zimbabwe is that the the banks are for uh, forbidden from processing crypto transactions, and so for, for them they didn't see that as like crypto being illegal. You know they so I, I think they were you know they were looking at what what the laws were at some of these companies and seeing if they could like you know get away with with operating there, and then you know the um what the reality happens on the ground. But I think that they 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 did think that they were doing their their due diligence and like actually trying to figure out what the legalities were. It's amazing.
0: There's a lot of inconsistencies and, and incoherence between what they state is the case and what's actually the case on the ground as well, which your reporting and the MIT Tech Review reporting really reveal. I mean, even things around like. You know, operators are you know getting people who are being scanned. You know, uh, many of whom you know, especially you know, in some of these you know uh, poorer um, African and Asian countries who like don't have email addresses, right? And so the operators were you know try- were having to walk them through setting them up with email addresses, getting their phone numbers, right, as a way for them to be able to access the wallet being created for them, where the Worldcoin will eventually eventually at some point maybe be deposited, right? But then the company itself claims, no, 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 oh well, it's not necessary for people being scanned to have email addresses, right? I just remember like I think it was in yeah, it was in the MIT tech review piece. So I'm I'm gonna quote right now in quote, in Nairobi meanwhile, uh, in Nairobi meanwhile, several students said that orb operators took a photo of their national ID cards to confirm, as Okok recalled, that he was uh, quote, not a robot. WorldCoin said that it has never requested national identification documents from users, though they do request it from their orb operators. When we shared these comments with interviewees, they did not recognize their own experiences. Mintembe emphasized that personal details were never optional and there was no way to sign up at his orb without both email and phone quote that ceo is lying he said so there you go right like all these inconsistencies between the statements being given by the Worldcoin company by glovina the, the spokesperson by blania the ceo um, that are completely inconsistent with what was uh, the, the the practices and requirements of um operators and people being scanned on the ground. Uh you know, and, and this is constant throughout this. One of the things I really loved about your piece in BuzzFeed, your and Amon's piece in BuzzFeed, and the MIT tech review piece dropping on the same day was that there was a lot of like uh cooperation happening, a lot of complimentary reporting, focusing on different issues, talking to different sources. Finding the same exact stuff in different countries around the world um, in terms of the actual practices, but then also very clearly seeing how the um, the company itself, their statements and their responses to um, to both uh, BuzzFeed and to MIT Tech Review were the same. They were just copy and pasting it, uh, you know, from one to the other. You know, every time you would present them with one of these issues, right, uh, the, the orb not working, um, you know, the requirements for national identification uh, documents, you know, all of these different inconsistencies and issues and problems, every single time they would tell both you and MIT Tech Review, that's a, quote, isolated outlier. You know, and it's like, at some point, you can't have multiple teams of reporters independently coming to you with different issues, long list of issues. And at some point, they can't all be isolated outliers. They become the rule, right? And just, I think it really um, emphasizes how dismissive they are of any of these issues how unwilling to engage with them they are how unwilling to acknowledge them let alone actually try to address these issues. And I'll let you jump in real quick, but I also, before I forget, I want to get to a, a, another one of these really juicy statements that you uh, and Amon got, this time from Glovina, the, the spokesperson. You were, uh, you, you talked to um, this uh, uh, academic Brian Ford, who heads the Decentralized Distributed Systems Lab at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology and has written You know, pioneering academic work on this idea of proof of personhood, which Worldcoin claims is the whole reason why they are, you know, scanning this biometric information is to create a proof of personhood uh, service, and Ford. You know, talks about how he just simply isn't convinced that WorldCoin's solution is a good one. You know, he talks about how, quote, the company's decision to build and store a giant centralized database of irises and iris hashes is a massive invasion of user privacy. In response to that, Golovina, the spokesperson for WorldCoin, said, quote, We dispute the characterization that collecting images of WorldCoin users is an invasion of privacy. If collecting images of people with their consent was an invasion of privacy, Clear, the biometric identification company used for border control, um, Clear, the UN and ADAR would all be examples of invasions of privacy too. Now, astute TMK listeners will know that we did a two episode series on Adar not that long ago. Um, and, and as you mentioned, as we talked about in that episode, right? Like, that is a really wild thing to be like, no, we're like Adar, the world's largest <laughs> database <laughs> in India, which has been characterized by um, advocates and experts as a privacy and security nightmare. Um, and WorldCoin's like, well, if if we're an invasion of privacy, so so well, so are they. I think it just betrays this complete ineptitude, this inability to understand what is actually happening, what people think about other systems. like It's really wild for me to be like, well, you know, we're just like the border control company Clear. We're just like Adar. Oh, so you're awful. Okay, thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, it's the same, you know, it's kind of the same idea of them uh, constantly comparing themselves to Uber, right? (laughs) It's, It's like, so at a certain point it's like how do you see how do you see yourself
2: theranos might be a better comparison to be honest <laughs> <at this point. laughs> God, especially the series a quote what is that we're not like we're a series a company we're a scrappy three billion dollars series a company <laughs> what else do you want from us a working product i mean well i don't want a working product i'm gotta be honest i am a little happy that uh, world coins uh, orb failed so spectacularly even though it did get its hands on half a million people's biometric data because i was actually really concerned that they'd be able to develop this technology and Uh, open the door to justifying biometric surveillance by saying, look, like we can do one without bias, right? And without any sort of like record of the person's identity. It's just, what was their quote? The spokesperson said, we just want their uniqueness, not their identity what the fuck is my uniqueness? You know, it's still my data. Like, that's what you want. Just say it. Uh, you know, on some level, I am a little bit relieved. But like, as you said, and as we've talked about in this interview, it comes at great cost. It comes at great cost to the operators, to the contractors, and to the people who were scanned, right? And had their biometric data stolen and probably will never get any sort of recourse uh, for it.
1: They haven't failed yet. You know, like, they yeah, right. still have made while there
2: they are, yeah, to be clear, they are very lot their funders will probably not drop them i'm happy that it's there are some problems, and I hope maybe that will catalyze a shift, but yeah you're right they haven 't failed <laughs> do you um, feel that they are going like what do you see as next for them from here? I mean are they retooling their operations? are they insisting that this is just a bump in the road? are they like
1: rethinking things i mean i, I you know I think they Characterize this as, as a bump in the road you know throughout throughout our, our reporting they they very much like i said um, said that this is testing, and I think that they will kind of rely on that um, on that outlook until they can't anymore um, but for now I'm sure they'll they'll keep you know experimenting with with different approaches and they'll uh, they'll, they'll see how it actually plays out on the ground um, but yeah, I think they keep going.
0: Yeah, it really does seem like, and this is something both your piece um, near the end and the MIT Tech Review piece near the end really emphasizes that is that i did it for them this is just a bump in the road right this is just like the process of experimentation of testing of doing science right and creating a a new technology they talk about how like the next iterations of Worldcoin will you know will be better oh we've learned our lessons here you know but well you know a, a statement from that given to MIT Tech Review, the you know the company uh, writes, you know, we believe that rights to privacy and, and, and anonymity are fundamental, which is why within the next few weeks, everyone signing up for Worldcoin will be able to do so without sharing any of their biometric data with us. If that actually happens, that's great, fine and dandy for the next you know uh, uh, millions of people that they plan on signing up. But as you've mentioned, as MIT Tech Review mentions. You know they've already gotten nearly half a million people scanned. That's not a small number, right and many of those people are are vulnerable people in you know uh developing countries low income countries you know the most some of the most vulnerable people in in the world um and it seems as if the company is completely uh uncaring unsympathetic to to their to what's happened to them right saying well you know that's that's just grist to the mill you know that's just an unfortunate byproduct of doing of building a new technology is that nearly half a million people um have just been you know um chucked into the machine crushed by it uh you will can I don't know, could, could you yeah talk a little bit more about like what do you think about the about world coins overall their responses to, the, uh, to this you know, their, you know being confronted with these issues, their responses to you know, constantly saying, oh well, we're going to do better while at the same time seeming to to not care about the the half million people that they've left out to dry already:
1: Sure I mean when I, when I first you know, read, read about this company, it, it, it reminded me a little bit about like Google training its, its facial, uh, recognition software where, you know, there was a story where they, they had, you know, tested it on homeless people and students. Um, you know, and, and the goal was like to, to get it to better understand your, um, darker skin, like, like, you know, folks like myself. And so it, and you know, sure, Google got a a, a bad press cycle, um, but they still trained their algorithm, you know, and so they still won, and it, you know, they they accomplished their goal in that respect. And I think it's it's the same thing for Worldcoin. Like, you know, they they can apologize and and have their um, their their press cycle, but you know, they they still got this algorithm training out of it. What else is there for them to do? They, they've they've already done it.
0: I know. I mean, that's that's the thing. When I first read this piece, and like we were talking, you know, Ed, Jeremy, and I were talking about it in in our group chat. And it's like, you know, one of the first things that came to mind was like these these kinds of companies refuse to fail quietly, right? They must fail in the most like spectacular way that maximizes collateral damage, that causes long-lasting damage. But I think you're right that I was I was a little bit. Um I was a little optimistic there, which I'm not often accused of being, that, that that they have failed. I I think you're right that they haven't really failed in any kind of serious way in terms of yes, the the orb doesn't work, yes, the the payment system of you know the crypto economics isn't working, like all of this stuff isn't working. And on the outs from the outside, that appears like failure after failure, but for the company, none of those are failures, right? They don't see that as failure. The investors, Andreessen Horowitz, um, Casala Ventures, right? The cat, the VC firms that have invested hundreds of millions of dollars into this company. They don't see that as failure. Um, and, and, you know, they're not, you know, Sam Altman, who we haven't even really, who we haven't even talked about, um, but you know they don't see that as failure, right? like like they just see it as a bump in the road as a necessary part of the process of experimentation and testing on live um human people, and they they'll just keep going right like you know the the momentum of capital is what's really driving them forward and propping them up here i in fact, before we let you go, i mean i know we're we're starting to run up on time, but. Uh, you know, I mentioned Sam Altman. Could you talk a little bit about Sam Altman's involvement in this? Because, and from the outside, before I read um, these, you know, your piece and the, the tech review piece, you know, which uh, Sam Altman does not. Feature at all, uh, or to almost no extent in either of these pieces. And from the outside, I always associated this company as a Sam Altman company, which is probably just because, like, he's you know very high profile. You know, he was the one that was talking about it on stage at TechCrunch. Uh, you know, in 2019, um, he's the one that is you know is a kind of champion of it but what 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 is sam altman's involvement in this what's the involvement of OpenAI in in this uh, in worldcoin
1: yeah we 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 asked him about that you know he he's he's a co-founder um uh, blania says that they talk regularly he was the first one to get the iris scan uh the company says blania was second
0: oh they they dogfooded right they're like well enough <laughs> yeah. enough for you
1: uh, Blania says that he's become like one of his his, his best friends. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that didn't that didn't make it to the story, just um, again because it was it was so long, was that there's this really deep level of mistrust uh, coming from from the operators. You know, some of them have been sending around this article about a, a Sam Altman-backed startup, an AI startup. I won't mention the name because we hadn't gotten to. The point in our reporting where we would have asked the company for comment, they were they were sending around this uh, this article about this this, uh, this AI company, and the Orb operators were wondering uh, if you know some of the data from Worldcoin was going to this other company. And to be clear, there's there's no indication that any of that is happening. That in, that you know that that data is being siphoned to this company or any other sal- Sam Waltman company. But the fact that this was kind of swirling around, and there was this um, this uneasiness and this this kind of speculation, you know, does tell you a lot about like where uh, the, the the level of mistrust that uh, that has kind of befallen the company.
2: Sam Altman, do we trust him?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Only we, as far as I
2: can them? throw him,
0: and I'm strong, but it's still We're ain't that far.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the last time we trusted a Sam, we ended up with a Walmart corporation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. More to come on that. I think further evidence that, that boys, we need to do a big episode on Sam Altman in some point in the future. Um, and there needs to be a lot more reporting on this guy, but at, at anyway. Richard, this, I want to thank you and Amon for doing this reporting, uh, for, for writing and investigating such a, uh, a, a, massive article, really important article. I think bringing to light a lot of things that have been going on for years, uh, unobserved, unrecognized by, you know, as, as is so often the case. I mean, this is, you know, the, the, the analogies here with AdAR um keep happening in ways that I don't think are are uh flattering to Worldcoin where this is one of the things that we talked about in our episodes on AdAR is that like it's the world's largest biometric database, but has all, there's been essentially zero reporting about it um in in the western media there's essentially zero attention on it let alone like the kind of critical attention that that you guys have given to worldcoin and i feel like you know worldcoin was very much the same until um until these articles came out the, you know last week around like you know this this company was just kind of like simmering under the surface right collecting You know, half a million scans of people's faces. Uh, Why? Because it was largely happening in the global south and low income countries where they are correct in a lot of ways that these are the right places to go and do experiments and testing on people because it simply doesn't receive the amount of attention. That it should, right? Because well, that's okay. That's happening to those people, right? And that's not that's not well. Worldcoin will never happen in the U.S., right? It'll probably never happen in Australia, where I'm based. So why should I worry about it? But the fact of the matter is, is I mean, it re- betrays a, a massive lack of sympathy for for humanity to not understand that like what's happening to these people really does matter. Not just because, as we've also talked about, and Jeremy brought up, you know, the uh, luxury sl- surveillance versus imposed surveillance is that these people also very rarely have their ambitions limited, right? To you know, as 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 you know, Blani has talked about you know we're still a scrappy startup. We're still in the experiment and test phase. the The fact of the matter is, is that they you know they haven't failed, and I'm sure that they have much larger ambitions to roll this out in different ways. You know, you've talked about you know some of the the rumors kind of and mistrust swirling around about how you know the the data being collected by Worldcoin may or may not be getting funneled to other companies, but you know, it, it, none of these things operate in a vacuum. They're all like interconnected in these really important ways. And I think your article. Um, and and this reporting that you did with Amon really emphasizes that, really shows that this is not something that we can afford to be sleeping on. And it's not something that we can afford to forget about after the news cycle has ended, after this interview. And then we all go on to report on different stories, to do different podcasts, to research different topics. And then we forget about this extremely comically sinister orb and world coin that just continues to operate. right? As as, as they've talked about, their, their plan is to scan a billion faces by, the, by next year. Um, and, and so th- I think this is something that really has, is only the beginning. You know, your reporting, I think, has provided us with the necessary foundation to understand what's going on, but it, it, it certainly cannot be the end of, of our attention, um, on, on this project and on the, this company. So, uh, thank you and thank Amon for, for, for your reporting and thank you for coming on to discuss it with us.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course.
0: Where can people find your work? Uh, where can people follow you, um, on, on social media and, and read more of your reporting?
1: Yeah, uh BuzzFeed News and uh, on Twitter I am Richard J Nieva. Uh so yeah, follow me.
0: Excellent. We'll have a link to all that in the episode description. So thank you, Richard, and thank you, Iman. Uh and and, and thank you, our dear listeners, for listening. And you can find us at patreon.com slash this machine kills for more episodes. Um, every single week on on the premium feed. So subscribe there for that. Uh, And until then, see ya.